everybody, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Sir Alan of the Roundtable, I am doing excellent. Thank you for asking. I'll I be can, the judge of that. I can tell you, uh, you, you, you care genuinely. And it's not just a, a pre-recorded, you know, thing like, okay, guy, ask Mark how he's doing. Well, yeah, I, I do care. I, I fig- figure, uh, you know, if I don't say that first, I won't know what to say next. <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing okay. How about you, man? And I don't need help derailing the show. You know what I'm saying? Oh, God, If you've no. heard the outtakes, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, no, just bleepity bleep bleep <laughs> all over the place. Hey, um, I'm doing fine. Thanks for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like we're in this weird kind of pre-spring weather into February, early March tease thing that we're going to be very disappointed very soon. Yeah, we we had a I think an in depth discussion in the last episode as to whether spring had sprung. Yeah, and I'm still not sure. I'm not sure either. Mm. I, I think for many people across the nation, they're getting another one of these terrible winter storms. But luckily for us, uh, just a little north of Pawnee, I think it's going to miss us. Well, I certainly hope so. You know, I I on a whim, uh, I had everybody at our uh, at our household. Our mansion that we live in. Sure. You know, I, yeah. I said it's so nice. The McMansion, that, yeah. It's so is my McMansion. It's so nice out. It's actually more of a Burger King mansion. Yeah. And so I said, I prefer let's, that. let's they get open. the Impossible Whopper. <laughs> it's never going to work out. I said, open up all the windows. Sure. Open up the everything, whatever yeah. opens. Because it is really nice and temperate out. And then it became like an Arctic fridge. I'm like, no, yeah, no, no, that's bad. too bad. It's but too yesterday, while it was still warm, our house was colder than outside. So we opened up vent windows on both sides of the house so that the warm air could come in and the cold air could leave. Oh, it interesting. It kind of worked. It's thermodynamics. It is thermodynamics. I know things. Yeah, let's, let's have a podcast about that. Oh, let's. But before that, let's talk about this episode. But before oh we God. do that, yeah. did I see Harvey's back this week? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's uh, Constantine's off again. They still sometimes don't get along yeah. real uh, well. So we yeah, try to cro- uh, we try not to cross schedule them. No, you don't cross schedule them. We learn from Ghostbusters. You also don't cross the streams. True. Which by oh, that reminds me. Uh, before today's show, Harvey, I got a bone to pick with you, oh, no. Mister, because right. uh, Harvey showed me what seemed like an endless stream of. Uh, Emails and 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 phone calls about mm-hmm. you, Sir Allen of the Round Table. Oh yeah, you know you know why compliments, of course. In, 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 because in the last episode, which was Partridge, yeah, that we did episode seventeen of season five, everybody realized that you never gave your pick for episode MVP. Mm. Oh yeah, if I recall, I kind of went, I kind of springboarded off of your flow and kind of went at my normal one backwards you did a little bit of a reverse thing yeah and uh, i we thought that you're going to eventually get to it and then you never and did, did our, not get to it our loyal podcast viewers are just up in arms so you you better like correct that right now well for our viewers at home remind us who was your mvp pick or picks oh week? my uh, pick or picks was uh adam scott as ben wyatt i thought he was brilliant and you gave that to him solo which i yes. appreciated uh mine were adam scott as ben wyatt mm co-MVP'd with Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. Oh, nice. Okay. And I, and I could probably defend that if I could find my notes from last week, but because <laughs> I can't, just take it. And fair enough. It's it's duly noted. It's in the logs. All right. We'll have to compare that to this week's results. Yeah. 
All right. Well, speaking of this week, Mark, we're doing season five, episode 18, Animal Control. Yep. This was another one of our fun standard edition episodes that are roughly 21 minutes and 33 seconds. Can't wait for producer's cut. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, you're going to wait till season six. I can tell you that. <laughs> Unless we Frankenstein one together. Mark, I don't want to get derailed on this, but I am just I find it fascinating because you and I do this breakdown a little maybe too scientific sometimes, uh -huh. but, but we, we track the scene times, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I noticed that like literally maybe even up to the fourth scene were the exact same length as last week, almost to the second. Yeah. And then it started to vary after that. But isn't that crazy just to think of like, this is such a mechanical machine as they produce these episodes that it's that precise. That doesn't seem like it until you're nerds like us and you break and you it down. You look at it, yeah. But I actually, I noticed that too. I just thought it was interesting. Yeah. So anyway, this week's episode was directed by Craig Zisk. This is Craig's fourth of five, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Craig from shows like The Looming Tower, Veep, uh, Brave New World, Fear the Walking Dead, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and of course, uh, uh, this show, along with, gosh, he's got a whole list of things, in fact. So go check out Craig. We've mm. talked about him before. Uh, and Megan Omron is our writer of this episode. This is her second of five. And I follow her on Twitter. She's kind of interesting. And uh, she's a producer writer known for The Good Place, Parks and Recreation, and Pitch Perfect. Very so, funny. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Very funny. So, Mark, why don't you get us into our synopsis and we'll get this thing going. All right. Let's do this thing. All right. Uh, I broke this sucker down into three stories. Hey, there we go. And the soundboard's also working. I love oh, it. Harvey, I appreciate it, buddy. All right. He, he waved. He Did you just wave at me? He, yeah, he, he waved something. That looked like a single finger, but whatever. I'm sure it was a thumb. He just gave me a thumbs, a thumbs up. Thumb. Just, thumbs up. That's what so it was. Let's just pretend it was. Yeah. All right. So uh, my A story I have as entitled. So you said that, Alan, you said that the name of this episode is Animal Control. That is correct. So name it, the title of my A story is Animal Out of Control. Nice. It's kind of a gimme. Yeah. I mean, you phoned in a little. A little bit. That's it right. works. All right. Leslie and Chris visit. Animal Control, where they find a mismanaged apartment building and ineffective staff. Holy cow. After Chris accidentally steps on a freaking coyote trap in the middle <laughs> of the floor, he fires those no-good Nicks, Harris, and Brett, and he's mad at the whole department. He's just mad on account of his futsal cattywampus yeah, sure, now. Hurts. So, yeah. So, at a city council meeting, Leslie begins the debate. Well, who, who are we going to get to replace these, these no-good Nicks? And uh, she finds out that they usually just take turns appointing, you know, the, you know, people or whoever they do to use to do that. Uh, usually people, right? They don't they don't appoint animals. To Not animal usually. Control. All yeah. right. Just checking. <laughs> well, this doesn't sit right. She's like, I don't want you appointing people or animals to this right. thing. So so we're all going to find candidates and we're going to, you know, have this out. And uh her list of candidates is pretty short, even including temporarily Jerry Gergich, which we'll get into. <laughs> and uh, after throwing out a lot of other candidates, uh, Leslie has an idea and surprises April huh. by asking her to take the position. What will happen? Can Leslie maneuver April into getting the animal control job? Does April even want the animal control job? Is there another better solution out there? Stay tuned to find out, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's kind of like pork barrel politics a little bit, right? They just take mm. turns giving the job to whoever their cronies are. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So well said. Cronyism. Gotta love it. What's your title? Mark, my A story title was Helter Shelter. <laughs> 
that's pretty good. Yeah, I can like that one. I do. I like that. I like that. I'm all over the board on thematically this week, but uh, that's my A story. How <laughs> about your B right. story? B story I have as entitled, Even Dicks Can Donate. <laughs> well, we'll okay. see. Ben Wyatt is in the process of getting more big companies to donate to the Sweetums Foundation, and he gets his chance to do so after Tom organizes a meeting with Dennis Feinstein, Pawnee's premier manufacturer of perfumes and colognes um he's a scent meister he's is a what scent he is. artist yeah. yeah yeah scent artist yeah it becomes clear quickly feinstein is very shallow and kind of a jerky jerkerson <laughs> and and has no compassion for anyone or anything or any human feelings or anything like that and ben feels very uncomfortable on account he is a big jerky jerkerson but you know he's he's very rich sure, and so he can money. use the money yeah that's money good so you know ben tries to uh, you know touch base with them and connect with them and dennis feinstein is just a big jerky jerkerson and you know rebuffs everything ben's saying and and uh they go to a smokehouse and he's just rude and arrogant and then finally He's really peeved. He's peeved, Alan, at the way that Feinstein is uh, treating everybody. Yeah. Andy loses his cool a little bit and says, you're a dick. <laughs> wow. How will this turn out? <laughs> Can Andy salvage the rest of their meeting with Dennis Feinstein? Will Ben manage to secure a donation from Dennis Feinstein? If Dennis turns them down, are there any other donation paths to victory here? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Uh, This was your B story. I called it my C story. Not that it matters too much, Mm. but maybe we can talk about that at the end because I think there's something to say there. But uh, my my B story was uh, smell you later. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. All right. So my uh, final third story. Yeah. My C story. Whatever we're going to call it. Sure. Um, I call it... Ronimal control. <laughs> I like what you did there. I like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, the the man, the myth, the legend, Ron Swanson, uh, has apparently contracted um, strep throat from his uh, girlfriend uh, Diane Lewis's his, his children, Zoe and Ivy, and is cared for by Anne. And suggests that you know he's got to go to the hospital, and he didn't want to go to the hospital, but they end up going to the hospital, and he's got to look after himself a little bit better. And uh, then Dr. Harris is involved and no one likes him, but no one likes Ron either. So how's this going to turn out? And then he gives, he examines Ron, (laughs) gives him a blood test and gives him a prescription. And um, it's just a mess. (laughs) What will happen? (laughs) How does Ron's blood work look? Will Ron be able to swanson his way past this bout of illness? Are there any changes that Ron needs to make to his life? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, for my third and final story, mine is Doctor Who. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, like the show. Like the show, but, oh, you know, Ron doesn't see doctors. So right. Doctor Who. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You see what I did there. Stupid doctor. Yes, yeah, dumb doctor. So anyway, Mark, <laughs> uh, how about your AKAs this week? My AKA, you remember, Alan, that in our little uh, synopsis of the A story, we mentioned that uh, Mr. City Manager, Chris Strager, he caught his foot. You see on cartoons all the time how people get caught in bear traps? Like they're just lousy with bear traps on the cartoon. Just snap. Flintstones and everything else. That actually happened to Chris. It is a coyote trap, but still. So Leslie says to support her good friend, Chris Strager, Leslie says, Chris Traeger can do more with one foot than most people can with three. 
I just I thought that was funny. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's a nice uh, nice compliment. Yeah, I know. I know. What what'd you have? Well, Mark, my, mine is uh, certainly inspired by a line, which would normally be an AKA, but you'll see what I mean here in a minute. Mine's more of maybe a t-shirt idea. I love it. Okay, yeah. go. And I think if you get the right dog on the shirt, we'll use one of Harris's line and say, Bark Obama. That's a great, great name. Wouldn't that be a good t-shirt, I think? I don't care if you are a stoner. Funny's funny. <laughs> funny is funny. That's right. So, and those guys are a little funny. They so. are, and they're a little stoners. Hey, Mark, let's move into our episode breakdown and get this thing really going. All right, breaking down. Cold open, incoming. This is a, a, a I'd say, mid-sized one. It's a, like a minute and 18 seconds or so. Uh, and we start off at Pawnee Animal Control. And uh, Leslie and Chris are visiting, and, you know... They're looking around, but luckily for them, the power duo of Harris and Brett are there to give them a little tour. Oh, thank God. Hey, Harvey, why don't you give us a little tour of this clip? I mean, it's just, just play the clip, please. Welcome to Animal Control. Let me show you around. Those are some chairs. That's a cat or possum. <laughs> this is a napkin where I wrote down a cool name for a dog. Bark Obama. Still funny. <laughs> right. Is that, what's happening here? Oh, yo, yeah, we found this bird outside. We tried to turn it into a work whistle, like in the beginning of the Flintstones. Oh, my God. Tougher than it looked, though. We have a massive pest problem in this town, and it's because the animal control department has been a disaster at catching animals. They're great at ingesting and selling marijuana. Oh, boy. This place is a miserable suck hole run by two pothead losers. It's completely and utterly mismanaged. Thanks. It does seem to be very poorly run. But we've only been here for two minutes. There may be a method to their madness. There's more than one way to skin a cat. Four. There's four ways to skin a cat. Ready to blow? Oh, 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 oh. Coyote trap, dude. Ah, this hurts. Yeah, we got like a huge vermin problem. I mean, we wouldn't be meaning to call somebody about it, but you know, nobody get on the phone. You're the people you would be calling. <laughs> oh, that is so trippy. Ow! You're fired. You're fired. The whole department is fired. Ow, this hurts. This was one of my running feet. Yo, let's go to Jamaica. No, we should go to Jamaica. Oh, is that what you said? Yeah, <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> My gosh. <laughs> I like how Chris said that's one of his running feet. Yep. I, I think usually we get two, don't we? I mean, yeah. normally. Yeah, he's got a collection of running feet that is in the subset of running feet. <laughs> that is true. I, I, I swear, to, I, I cannot go past this scene without nope. saying <clears throat> I don't I don't advocate doing things with dead birds. No. I, I will tell you this. Like ever, if, if I had a gun to my head and they said, look, to live, you have to pick yeah. up this dead bird. Desecrate this dead bird. I would yeah. totally turn it into a Flintstones uh -huh. whistle. <laughs> that is brilliant and yeah. disturbing and brilliant and funny and brilliant. I well, love it. I love it too. Only theirs didn't go. It didn't do anything. No, it's tougher than it looks though. <laughs> oh boy. Well, Mark, following the cold open, we jump back to City Hall where Anne is checking in on a certain staff member whose permanent medical file is likely only maybe just his birth certificate. And that is probably heavily redacted. Oh, redacted all over the place. We now see the man, the myth, the legend, Ron Swanson, in his office, dressed in umpteen different layers of clothing, plus at least one fur coat and two hats. He looks very, very sick. Um, Anne comes by to check on him, bring him some water. She sees all this and insists he takes off the layers and layers of clothing, rehydrate, and go to the doctor. Ron insists he is fine. He's drinking plenty of Lagavulin, reminds Anne he is a grown man, so please 
turn the thermostat up to 90 and leave me alone. Of course, it should be noted that Ron's stubbornness would have been more impressive if at the end of his speech, he didn't keel over onto the floor. <laughs> so there's that. That's true. Yeah. And right before he passed out, we learned that uh, last night he was watching a movie with Diane and the girls about an orange fish separated from his father. I, I couldn't place it, Mark. Could you? <laughs> I think it's one of Leslie's favorites. I think it is one of Leslie's favorites. And that, actually, yeah. And that's where he said, like, you know, the children were sniffling, which I believe to be due right. to the sad nature of the film. Not so much. I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, next up, we join Tom, Ben, and Andy as they prepare to butter, or butterface, up a local wealthy businessman. And we've met him before. Uh, butterface, not not a great name for a scent. Not so much. There no. it is. It's better than spasm, though. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. yeah. There's, Maybe. Some, there's some bad ones. We now go to the Sweetums Foundation where we see Ben being quizzed by Tom on on different scents so he can make the best of a meeting that Tom got him with Dennis Feinstein, Bonnie's premier manufacturer of stuff, perfumes and colognes and horrible things. Ben is not real fond of Dennis Feinstein's uh, products, but he is fond of getting big companies to donate to charities like the ones featured by the Sweetums Foundation, so he's he's trying to make the most of it. Andy is also present, just kind of absorbing everything, no, no pun intended, uh, since being newly employed by Ben, Andy is using the meeting with Dennis Feinstein just as a learning experience, sure. planning to just watch and listen. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I love Ben's talking head here, and I wish we could play it because it's so visual, it wouldn't do as much good as I would like, but he takes a sniff of the cologne, you know, the scene I'm talking no, yeah, about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he like... It's like he kind of throws up a little bit, swallows it and throws up again. It, it's a classic. You know what it reminded me of, actually? Um, I, I It was at the end of season four. And I should know what episode this is and I don't. But it was uh, maybe it was the very tail end. And Ron, it was where Leslie had a, a election party and they were oh, yeah, finding yeah. out the results yeah. and Ron actually brought Lagavulin with him. That's right. And ben took gave Benzam and hey, who? Oh. <laughs> He responded exactly like in, in, in very similar ways. Very funny. Wow, he's a one-trick pony. I, now I'm now I'm disappointed. I like that trick, no, but it is a good trick. It's a good trick. It really is. Yeah. yeah. Well, back at City Hall, when it comes to finding the next animal control department leader, Leslie's intent on doing the thing we've always heard you cannot do: fight City Hall. Oh, I thought you meant juggle. Oh, well, that too. <laughs> That's no good. Clowns do that. We don't. <laughs> yeah. Like um. Yeah, we now cut to Pawnee Council Chambers, where Leslie is discussing the uh, animal control situation with the other council members, stating that they need to hire a new director of animal control. Now, Chris, it should be noted, is also in attendance. He's sitting in a wheelchair with his foot now in a cast, as can be expected. Uh, Councilman Jam assures everybody he's got the perfect candidate, but after he describes him, he sounds anything but perfect. Uh, when Leslie politely protests and asks for more discussion on the matter, Jam kind of gestures to Councilman Hauser, who then turns to Leslie and explains that, you know, to date, they've all just kind of taken turns on departmental appointments. This one's Jam's, after that's Dexart, and then Leslie would get a turn. Leslie protests even harder at this, claiming this is how departments get mismanaged, and they all need to find viable candidates, and they all need to bring them in, and they'll interview them all, and then they'll vote. And the other councilmen don't seem real excited about this, but Boring. I mean, they also can't really 
argue against it. So their silence marks, I think, a grudging compliance with Leslie's suggestion. I think that's fair to say. Uh, I thought his friend was pretty compelling based on his description. He's a, he's a friend of mine. He's a bit of an alcoholic, yep. a little grabby, yep. uh, either a war hero or a war criminal, depending on who you ask. Either one. But a good dude. Good dude. So yeah. he had me a good dude. That's that, that's like a whiteout at the end. Like, I know I said all this <laughs> stuff, but good dude, then hire him. Get him. Get him in here now. <laughs> well, meanwhile, Ron, against his will, is now at Ann Perkins Hospital and being less than cooperative. In other words, being himself. Yeah. There ain't no Swanson like a six Swanson. That's true. Um, so we now cut over to exam room 206 at St. Joseph Medical Hospital, a.k.a. Ann Perkins Hospital, where we see Ann has managed to wrangle Ron in to see a doctor against his wishes. Uh, Harvey, uh, four out of five doctors recommend you play this clip. I'd like to object again to being brought here against my will. Okay, I'm just going to double-check your form here. Ron, you redacted all the information. I answered some of them. For date of birth, you wrote springtime. Which is true. Everything you write down is confidential. We need you to give real answers. Fine. How many drinks of alcohol do you consume a week? One. That's it? One drink? One shelf. Do you exercise? Yes. Love making and woodworking. Do you have any history of mental illness in your family? I have an uncle who does yoga. <laughs> Allergies? Cowardice and weak-willed men. Wow. And hazelnuts. Mm. Sexual history. Epic and private. Nice. Okay. I'm going to go get your doctor. He's a rude, brash jerk. You'll love him. I wonder who it's going to be, Mark. Mm. Uh, I, I only know of one medical curmudgeon, but I, I, I like him a lot. I think Ron's met him before. Ron has met him before. So yeah. this would be interesting. Yeah. I believe it was at a Halloween party, if I'm not mistaken. You're right. Yeah. Well, back at the Dennis Feinstein Corporation, the guys are making their pitch and it is off to a potentially rocky start. Oh, how could it not be? Yeah, we cut to Ben, Tom, and Andy meeting with the one and only Dennis Feinstein in his extravagant, crazy, crazy looking Dennis Feinstein office. And Dennis reminds us what we found out the last few times that we've seen him on the show, Alan. Specifically, he's a loud, brash, obnoxious, narcissistic, thoughtless, self-centered jerk with a lot of money. Yeah, he's all those things. (laughs) Yeah. And we see Ben struggling with this a bit, but he perseveres concentrating on how many needy people he could help with Dennis's money. And Andy tries to help out at one point, pointing out that people who give to charity get amazing press, which is true. But unfortunately, Andy then brings up Bill Gates and Dennis thinks that Andy's like somehow calling him a nerd by association. (laughs) But thankfully, Tom defuses the situation by helping Dennis mentally switch from Bill Gates to Mark Cuban. Uh Ah, which which helps matters quite a bit. I would say so. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Meanwhile, back at City Hall, the candidate reviews are underway. And as they say, Mark, finding good workers is tough in any economy. Boy, especially in this economy. Yeah. Um, yeah, we are now in a City Hall conference room and we see Leslie, April and Chris preparing to interview candidates for animal control. Uh, Harvey, I nominate you a candidate to play this clip. Stay still. Don't think about how much this it just. That's very good advice. Can I just say, this is the greatest search committee ever assembled to find a new animal control department head. Chris Traeger can do more with one foot than most people can do with three. There you go. I'm not going to lie to you. I needed that. I know. (laughs) I know. April Ludgate is beautiful. Stop. You are talented. No. But most importantly, you're passionate about animals. That's true. It's because I'm half wolf. 
Okay, Donna, you took a look at all the resumes, so send in the best candidate. What's up? I'm Harris. I'm 33 years young. I have my cousin Jason's truck for two more weeks. I have one testicle, whack-a-mole accident, and I'm down to clown. Harris, we know who you are. I literally just fired you. Oh, is this that job? That's crazy. Never mind. Why would you think Harris would be the best candidate? Because he's one of only two applicants with actual experience in animal control. Mm. Uh -oh. Uh oh, does that mean... What up? Yo, my name is Brett. I like burgers, and also, I'm very high right now. Dude, this is hilarious! <laughs> oh, yo! <laughs> Man, we live together. Yo, we live in the same place. <laughs> Where are the cops at? I gotta go. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> that was effective. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. April knows how to scare the stoners. She does. I love it. Well, she is half wolf. <laughs> <laughs> half wolf people can do amazing things. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Those two, I'll tell you, Mark. <clears throat> funny. Yeah, very funny. Yeah. Well, back at Dennis Feinstein Corporation, I guess. I don't know what to call it. Sure. Dennis Feinstein Inc. It seems like we might have the beginning of an agreement, and it's time for a smoke and some other repulsive clouds of unbreathable air as well. Oh, holy cripes. Yeah, we cut back to uh, the Dennis Feinstein experience, whatever it is. I like that. Is, is, you like that? that? The DFE. The, the, we cut back to the DFE, Done. where Ben and Tom and Andy continue to pitch the donation angle. And, you know, it's funny, Alan, it appears Dennis is not real fond of Ben or what he's saying and stuff. But strangely, despite this, Dennis seems to be in kind of a good mood and sums up his position as follows. You know what? Shut up. You guys seem like pretty cool dudes. I'm feeling pretty generous. Why don't we take this conversation to the Pawnee Smokehouse? Hey, dumb, dumb Eddie, get the checkbook. We're going out. <laughs> so I guess, I mean, I guess that's that. Well, and he wants him to scent up, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I think Andy uh, called uh, dibs on money shot. Tom yeah. got ooze and Ben got <laughs> blood spurt. <laughs> that's, that's my favorite part of the whole scene is, is yeah. you know, Ben's announcing yeah. with the like the look on his face like you would expect. Like, yes. I got blood spurt. Yeah. Dennis's first reaction. Ooh, no, don't do that. Pause. Consider. Eh, go ahead. <laughs> like, what's about to happen? Let's see. Well, I think he's curious to see what happens. Like, does it turn you into a manimal? Well, I'm pretty sure it's killed some animals. Now he wants to see how it works on humans. Mm. That's right up his alley, right? Yes. It is. Well, I don't know where it goes. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Anyway, back at City Hall, that's where this goes, Mark. <laughs> the interviews continue, and the candidates continue to be less than ideal, even the current internal option. Oh, we once again cut to Leslie, April, and Chris in the same city hall conference room, and they're continuing their interviews with animal control candidates. And we see four in a row. A, Jerry Gergich, who they find out only got a degree from a two-year college, making him actually unqualified to work at even his current job. Okay. <laughs> great PBJ there. Yeah, uh, take a pay cut. I know. Okay, fair is fair. <laughs> B, an unnamed blonde woman who is extremely frightened of animals, which also, like Chris, she does see therapist Dr. Richard Nygaard, making yes. her a fellow Nygaardian. That is true. I love that Marvel reference. Uh, that is a great... Um, <laughs> my lord. <laughs> C, an unnamed, creepy, middle-aged man who seems to be interested in whether or not the spaying and neutering tools fit human beings. Yikes. And then D, finally... Orin, <laughs> who, who actually, Orin has, did you notice this? Orin has a very Swanson-esque resume. He does. Almost a complete 
blank piece of paper with the small word Orin printed at dead center. <laughs> so all in all, not a great group of candidates. I'm thinking that uh, Orin went to Ron for help on his resume. Could be. I mean, it, it's got Swanson written all over it. You know what I'm saying? Except where it says Orin, but yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Good point. By the way, that's Katie Dippold, uh, one of the writers, producers of the show who plays the blonde Mindy. And this is her fifth appearance. Oh yeah, you know what? She was the woman when when uh, April had the 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 pet uh, the you know please donate yep. or not donate please please uh, adopt pets adopt pets. Yeah. She dropped one off and then ran. And then ran. No yeah. good, Nick. She's got a little a lot of little bits like that. I like those. That's funny. Well, back at Ann Perkins Hospital, Ron does his best to maintain control, but he has to square off against another stubborn bastard to do so. Oh, we now see Ron being examined by our favorite medical curmudgeon, Dr. Harris. There are four little mini scenes here. All of them are, are pretty funny. Um, so A, still not happy about being there. Ron tries to give Dr. Harris some ground rules. Dr. Harris ignores him, sticks a tongue depressor right in his mouth. Yep. That was pretty funny. B, Ron is laying down while Dr. Harris feels around his abdomen. And all you hear is... <laughs> just cracked That's me great. up. Um, C, Dr. Harris looks in Ron's ear. There's something occluding your ear. It sawdust just blow. <laughs> it's like I'll be damned. It is. And then D, finally, Dr. Harris, at the end of it, tells Ron he's got strep throat, mm -hmm. writes him a prescription for penicillin. And Ann says, yeah, that's great. And I'm here. I mean, she, she, she tries to tell him about his blood work. Right. And Ron just says, not interested. Nope. Good day. Walks out. Well, and Dr. Harris says, wish all patients were like that. It's really annoying when they ask questions. I know. I, I'm at the on the cusp of thinking Dr. Harris almost has a, a man crush on Ron. Cause like how good of a, how much of a patient would right. you want than one that just goes, I don't care about your extra stuff. Good day. Brilliant. I think in another universe, Dr. Harris could be one of Ron's three friends. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the foundation pitch team has moved over to the Pawnee smokehouse and it's time to set the trap and snare this donation from Dennis. See what I did there, Mark? I do. Yeah. <laughs> We now cut to the Pawnee Smokehouse, where Ben and Tom and Andy continue to meet with Mr. Jerky Jerkerson, Dennis <laughs> Feinstein. That's Jerkfix Jerkerson to you. Uh, excuse me. Harvey, play the clip, please. Thank you. You know, they claim that smoking is bad for you, but is there any medical evidence to back that up? None. Great point. So, the Sweetums Foundation has really accomplished a lot recently. Our healthcare outreach program has reduced pink eye in the rural community by 30%. <laughs> to 70 percent snooze <laughs> you guys ever been fox hunting i have my own foxes flown in from russia we drug them pretty heavily so they can't get very far in fact mostly they just flop around on the ground oh. makes it easier to just walk up and pow <laughs> <laughs> stupid foxes it's deeply erotic that sounds amazing we should go hunting sometime well, i'd love to i could bust out my ralph lauren fall 2010 collection copped it in 2012 Clearance rack. Wear whatever you want. As long as it's not too bright or reflective. You know, I want you blending in to the surroundings. How fast can you run? Uh-oh. I think that guy wants to hunt me. <laughs> so, Dennis, not to interrupt. <laughs> then don't. Boom! <laughs> Shut him right down. I have heard so much talking from you. I don't want to hear your fat mouth say anything else. Boom! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're a dick. <gasps> oh, excuse me. Uh oh, Andy. How dare you talk to me like that? Where are your manners? You come to me asking for money and you treat me like this. I don't think so. Wrap it up. We're done. 
Eddie, show these garbage people out. Take the garbage Aww. out, Eddie. Donna? Oh. Gentlemen. <laughs> Oh. That last little scene there, they as they're getting escorted out, they see Donna on a couch smoking a cigar surrounded by men. Shocking. She does well. She does well. Mm -hmm. Yes. In North and South America, as a matter of fact. All the Americas. All the Americas. Mm -hmm. Mark, I don't know, honestly, how Ben is putting up with this guy. I mean, he's pretty despicable. I, I, I got mixed feelings because I know that Ben was trying very hard just for everyone to play it cool. And he's probably a little irritated at Andy, but I don't know. I kind of I'm glad Andy said that. I admire him for that, actually. Yeah, it's he's in a weird funk, though. That's the thing that keeps hitting me about Andy. It's just like almost like he's on heavy medicines or something the way he's looking at him. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. But he said what needed to be said, in my opinion. Yep. well, back at city council chambers, we get get to meet the JAMA date. <laughs> wow you see you see what i did there yeah. and mark i'm just hoping his gums are amazing because uh i'm not sure otherwise well yeah it's a it, it don't look good so apparently at this point we're back in the the city council chambers and and you know i think that whichever of the councilmen have brought in candidates they are now going through their official candidates in air quotes. Right. And uh, they are interviewing Jam's candidate for animal control, a a meek little guy named Vern with gray hair, wearing sweatpants and a hoodie, whose major claim to practical experience is a bat landed on my face once. <laughs> when Leslie tries to ask him questions, Vern seems genuinely surprised, telling them all, well, Jam said if I got my teeth whitened, I'd just get the gig. And Jam urges Vern out at this point, turning to the others expectantly like, huh? Uh, Leslie is not real happy with this. <laughs> I don't know what he does in his spare time, Mark, but uh, Jam says that if he can catch raccoons as well as he can teach six-year-olds how to pop and lock, he's a home run. <laughs> well, like, they, I think that they say that they asked him what he did, and Vern says, I run a children's oh, breakdancing. He runs a children's breakdancing studio called DJ Jazzy Vern's. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. There's a reference for you. Yeah, I think that must be upstairs above one of those punny restaurants. Yeah, it must yeah, be. Yeah. Well, the following day, we catch up with Leslie, who is catching up with April, who is, as the proverb warns, Mark, wary of Leslie's bearing gifts. Yeah, we uh, we next cut to the bullpen. You think this is the next day? I do, because she has done totally different clothes. Mm. She has those clothes on for the next several scenes. I don't pay attention to clothes. So, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, so we cut to the bullpen the next day, and we see... <laughs> Leslie uh, walk up to April with what looks like a basket of goodies in her hands, mm. in, including bottles of fake blood and vinegar and mud, which is April's favorite. Right alley, yeah. um, she gives it to April and then she tells her on a total, un totally unrelated note that she nominated April for the position for animal control. And the confirmation hearing is in three minutes. Surprise. <laughs> April is initially resistant. I mean, first of all, just because contrary, uh, claiming that she doesn't want the job, which I don't think is necessarily true. But even if she did want the job, Alan, she hates the whole confirmation hearing thing. Well, of course. But Leslie persists, as Leslie is wont to do, yeah. and finally gets April to agree to join her back in council chambers. I don't know where Leslie went to persuasion school, but uh, her persuasiveness came across like this. Please do this. Please, please do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Well, we've heard her use that exact technique on a Swanson, 
She did. And wore him down. Yeah. You know what? That's a good, good point. Mm-hmm. She does have the, she's like Tom that way a little bit. Yeah. She can kind of wear him down. Yep. Interesting. Well, a little later, we jump back to the council chambers and it's time for the counselors to meet the next candidate up for consideration. And let's just say she's no Vern Paletta. Oh, who of us is, Thank Alan? God. Back in city council chambers, we see April now standing in front of the councilmen as they, especially Jam, try to, quote, tear this chick a new one. They mention several uh, less than ideal uh, things related to April, including uh, a many emails detailing how she quote sexually harassed Leslie's nope assistant, despite the fact that it's her Her husband. husband. And then B the fact that she once posted a video of herself drinking alcohol in city hall when she was still a minor. You remember that boys club season two. Very good. Yeah. No, that's season one. Is it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a way back then. Yeah. She's a minor. Goodness. Um, so although April didn't seem horribly bothered by these attacks, Chris becomes alarmed, awkwardly gets out of his chair, kind of clumbers his way over to Leslie and tells her, she's not ready. You rushed her into this and now jams sharpening the knives. No one needs to be jammed today. Leslie hesitates, thinking maybe April can pull it off, but ultimately she ends up asking for a brief recess. Probably a good idea at this point. I love that the concept of saying you've been jammed has become so ubiquitous now that even Chris is like, no one needs to get jammed. And people know what that means. <laughs> it's a thing. I know. It's a, definitely a it thing. It is. Well, over at DFC, Dennis Feinstein Corporation, apologies are in order. And I guess, yeah, let's do that, I guess, because Dennis is nothing if not forgiving. Yeah, he's nothing. He's I, nothing. I, did we agree that it was called the Dennis Feinstein Experience? Oh, the DFE. Excuse me. Uh, Hey, fix that editor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we see Ben, Tom, and Andy once again arrive at the DFE, uh, this time to apologize. Uh, Harvey, Harvey, I apologize, but I got to ask you to play this clip. Well, well, well. Look who's back. Thank you so much for seeing us again, sir. Uh, We just came to apologize. Mr. Dennis Feinstein, let me just say from the bottom of my heart, my bad. I just started working here and I really wanted to do a good job and I blew it. Thank you for saying that. Thought about it last night and I decided that if you came in here and apologized to me like a man, that I would forgive you. And that's what you've done, so you're forgiven. To that end, here is a check for $25,000 for your charity. Wow. Mm. Go out there and Help some kids with their pink eye or whatever it is you guys are doing. Mr. Feinstein, thank you. This is extremely generous. It's nothing, really. I'm happy to help. This check is made out to go yourself. In your face! Dennis Feinstein helps no man. Get the hell out of my office. And what's your problem, man? Okay, guys, guys, just hold, hold on a sec, okay? Mr. Feinstein, with all due respect, you are a major dick. <laughs> what? Run! Oh, oh, get my crossbow. <laughs> crossbow? What the? You will pay for this! <laughs> oh, God. Not only does he actually want to hunt them, he's prepared to do so. Oh, yeah. 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 He didn't even scent up. He's going right after him. <laughs> if, if he's skipping the scenting step, Mark, it's, it's important to yeah, him. Yeah, it may be serious. Yeah. 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 Well, in Ron's office, Anne is following up and has some recommendations to keep Ron healthy for the future. We see Anne enter Ron's office where she sees Ron is clearly looking better than he was before. (laughs) Actual medicine can be effective. Who'd have thunk? 
<laughs> anyway, despite Ron, Ron's grumpy plea for Anne to please just leave me alone, she insists on going over his blood work results. So, long story short, blood pressure fine, cholesterol fine, which is weird. Uh, everything looks pretty good, with the sole exception of his potassium being low, to which Anne recommends he just eat a banana every now and again. And then we have a pretty interesting exchange between the two. On Ron's side, he says, No, thank you. I live the way I live. I eat the things I eat, and I'll die the way I die. Which, I gotta admit, that sounds very Swanson-esque. Yeah, it very much is. But Anne's not done. And she says, You know, that's oddly beautiful, but also stupid. <laughs> You're not alone in the world anymore, Ron. You're dating a woman who has two kids, so every three days, think about Ivy and Zoe and Diane and eat a damn banana. Uh-oh. Well done, Anne. She played the uh, uh, Diane and the kids card. Yeah. Well, I, th I think she needed to. Smart move. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Strangely, I also kind of like what Ron said. But What's cholesterol? <laughs> I mean, he, he, in his very Swanson-esque way, saying yeah. like, I am who I am. And Anne's like, I get it, but I call BS on you. Yeah, I hear you, Popeye, but. <laughs> right, 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 Unabomber. <laughs> Unabomber. That's a good throwback. I like that. Yeah. Well, bouncing back to the animal control interview, Leslie and April have a sidebar that leads to a potential solution, assuming that they don't get re-retro jammed when presenting it. Oh, my gosh. So many jams There's out so there. There's so many jams, yes. We now, we now join Leslie and April in the hallway just outside the city council chambers talking during the brief recess just requested by Leslie. Hey, Harvey, one last clip, buddy. Play us out. I am so sorry, April. You are doing terribly up there, and it's all my fault. It's not you. It's me. Are you breaking up with me? I'm breaking up with the idea of you being director of animal control. I say we just withdraw your application and let Vern become director. He does have good teeth. No. All right, I have an idea. Trust me. Ms. Ludgate, it is the opinion of this committee that you are terrible. Can you give me even one reason why you're the right man for this job? No, but neither is your guy. Neither of us should get the job. Oh no, why is that? Well, there shouldn't be a separate animal control department. Its budget is tiny and it's ineffective and frankly, no one could change that. So I think it should be absorbed into the parks department. Hmm. That is a genius idea. Somebody wake up Milton. History is being made. Evo Chima. Animal control would be way more effective if it ran through the Parks Department. And if you want, I can write up an official report in language simple enough for even you dummies to understand. Dummies. Councilman, you have to admit that that idea makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Hang on a second. You seem to be forgetting that I already told Vern he got the job and he already bought a new speedboat. Yeah. Well, I hope he kept a receipt. That was a brilliant idea from a dark, tortured genius. And I move that animal control be absorbed into Parks and Rec. I second that. Even Yay. Jam. <laughs> Look at that, April. You won over Jam. Uh, no, she didn't. I'm just sick of being on the losing side. I'm gonna tell everyone this was my idea. Retro Jam. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, so many types of jam. Oh, I love it. Like strawberry and apricot. Oh, no, no, not those kinds of jam. I mean, it's a type of jam. It is a type of jam. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's true. Well, Mark, the next three mini scenes are a bit of a three-part kicker, similar to an episode we had a couple of weeks back, which had four, if I recall, yep. that wrap up our three storylines. And we'll start off with the foundation team who are licking their wounds and reassessing. Yeah, this is an interesting uh, uh, you know, paradigm that they've used again for their kicker. So the, the first part, uh, we we cut to the Sweetums Foundation, which I, I think Ben's got his new office. Cause remember how he had the real expensive yep. office, and I think he downgraded, He's downgraded a little bit. Yeah, so they're right. in Ben's office, and uh, Ben and Tom and Andy are kind of mulling over the events of the day, and they're all really frustrated with Dennis Feinstein, who they got no money from. But on top of that, Tom was actually impressed by the points that Ben made about the foundation and what it's done. And so he offers to have Rent-A-Swag donate five cents from every dollar that they made this month. Maybe not Feinstein money, but it'll help. Very nice. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't add up to a Rolexus. No. Well, what does? <laughs> you, you know, you can't drive that. No, you can't drive that. No. For the last time. No, no, no. Well, things are going better for April and Leslie and Chris needs a bathroom break. We cut to the bullpen where Leslie and Chris approach April's desk with a little present, a plaque naming April as deputy director of animal control. And April asks about several things she'd like to do, hire an intern, hire a Mexican elf, buy a child bride, you know, those sort of things. And then <laughs> even though they say no to all of them, Aww. the fact remains that yes, this is a promotion and yes, it does count. We then briefly, briefly switch to a Leslie talking head in the hallway where she is also pushing Chris in his wheelchair. And she states, government shouldn't operate based on personal favors. It should operate based on good ideas. Mm. And April had the best idea. And today, the best idea won. Mm. That's nice. That's mm. very satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, in part three of the three parts, I titled this one. And I'm going to let you describe it because you'll do that much <laughs> better than me. You know, like uh, MC Hammer, it's hammer time. I said, it's banana time. Oh, that's so funny that I'm just going to let it lie there. Thank um, you. So what, we see Ron in his office and it's like kind of towards the end of the day. And we see uh, Donna and Jerry is in fact are leaving. They're like, night, Ron. Yep. And he just kind of does a little Swanson salute to him. And then we see him kind of look around. I think he's verifying that he's alone. Yes. For what's think you're right. about to happen he doesn't want anyone to see this no witnesses he reaches into his desk drawer pulls out a banana and he then picks up a framed picture of diane and zoe and ivy <laughs> for pla motivation places it in front of him for motivation and ron slowly peels the banana clearly disgusted he tries to put it in his mouth <laughs> nearly gags he, he contemplates the banana, reminding himself who's doing this for. Like, do it for the ladies, ladies, do it for the ladies. And we then see several short scenes of Ron trying repeatedly to get himself <laughs> to take a bite out of the banana, each time resulting in him <laughs> gagging a little bit. <laughs> Finally, we shift into the future a little bit, and we see Ron once again at his desk with the banana, but this time with a takeout bag and drink from Punch Burger. Uh. Takes out the burger, removes the bun. Puts the banana in the sandwich, replaces the bun, smashes it down, takes a deep <laughs> breath to psych himself up, and takes a few big bites of the burger. And he's not pleased. No. But he's able to get it down. But he's not gagging anymore. Fade to black. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I've had like pineapple and stuff like that on burgers before, so it's not that different. But uh, I'm still not sure I could do that. I don't think it sounds appealing, no pun intended, uh, but, but I, I've actually heard of, of uh, 
tropical sort of burgers sure. like that yeah, yeah. that actually do have at least slices in there. I don't know that I would order it myself. Yeah, I think uh, the Jimmy Buffett burger place used to serve stuff like that. If I'm oh, Cheeseburger mistaken. Paradise. Cheeseburger Paradise. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice. Well, as you said, fade to black, Mark. Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break and uh, we'll compare our notes. We'll come back and we'll score and uh, do those other things we do and uh, send everybody home. God help us. All right, let's do it, man. All right. Well, we'll be back. Right. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello. This is Ron Swanson. With the recent trend in healthier eating, I was recently approached by Catherine Pinewood from the Pawnee Restaurant Association to help them increase awareness for some of Pawnee's more traditional fare for those of us with little or no interest in eating, quote, healthy, unquote. My deputy director, Leslie Nope, opted out as she apparently prefers a mostly waffle-filled diet. I invited colleague Tom Haverford, but he informed me earlier that his tum-tum is bothering him and decided to stay home in his velvet PJs. As a result, I am flying solo on this particular endeavor. Enjoy these outtakes. All right, Ron, the Pawnee Restaurant Association wants us to capture some B-roll of you eating at each of the restaurants in their fall foodie campaign. Slow down, son. You're saying you want to film me masticating my way through a bunch of food joints? Yeah, pretty much. But we've created a table set here in the courtyard, and we'll actually just green screen the backdrop so you won't even need to leave the table. Do you require me to say anything, or can I simply hunker down on some grub? Nope, not for the B-roll footage. We'll add your normal voiceover later once the piece is edited. For now, you just get to enjoy some of the best food in Pawnee. Easy, son. I'll be the judge of that. Let's do this. I need to get back to my office when this is over. Yeah, I hear you. You got a lot on your plate, do you? No, but I'm about to. All right, let's start with the obvious and cover the Paunchburger menu. Well, I already had the number three for breakfast today. The number three? For breakfast, really? Yep, the three-way cage match. A triple cheeseburger surrounded by a solid cube of bacon, complete with au gratin potatoes, onion rings, scrambled eggs, and a solid half-pound block of Havarti. Wow, do you need to wait until later in the day to do this? Why would I need to wait? I'm starting to get hungry. Holy smokes, I'll tell you what. Maybe we circle back the paunch burger later on. Okay, Ron, let's set up for the big and wide. Fair enough, you're the director. What's on the menu? Well, they have a brand new menu item they need help moving called the Turbo Turkey Tom, or Triple T. They're planning to launch it right before Thanksgiving. Let's take a look here. Looks like a double-decker, about four inches of turkey, at least it's not chicken, applewood bacon, tomato, mayo, mustard, and what is this? Um, I think it's coleslaw. Why is there f***ing coleslaw on this sandwich? What in God's name? Tell you what, Ron, let's just move on. We'll have them remove it, and you can pretend it's still there for the camera. Okay, Ron, let's take a look at the fat sack. They call this item the Kissing Cousins. Take a look at the menu. Kissing Cousins is a marriage of two of the Woodland's finest cuts, a quarter pound of ground venison, along with a quarter pound of fresh elk. Eat it in less than 30 minutes, and you don't pay a dime. <laughs> Game on, I'll take two. Whoa, whoa, slow down, buddy. You still have a ways to go. Hey, back off, Director Man. I already have a mother, and at least she would serve a side of Swanson Family Mash liquor with this grub. All right, Ron. Here we have Colonel Plump's Slop Trough. Hmm. I remember just a few years ago, they were a salad joint. <sighs> I'm assuming they now serve real food. Ah, uh, yes, I think you could say that. The Colonel wants us to feature his newest creation, the Sloppy Seconds Burger. Check out the description. Pretty cool. Hmm. From the sound of it, it is a lot like your quintessential turducken. 
Take a quarter pound of ground pork shoulder, roll it into a ball, lightly sear it, then wrap it in a third of a pound of Angus beef, hammered thin, and then take all of that goodness and wrap it in a half pound of tenderized western buffalo. Dip the entire thing in breading, deep fry it, drench it in butter, and then serve it with a whole pickle. Oh my god, Ron, that's crazy. You don't have to do that one. What are you nuts? I'm drooling so much I nearly need a bib. Let's do this. Oh, you can keep the pickle. Well, there you have it, folks. A little peek behind the scenes with some of the greatest food offerings in Pawnee. You'll have to excuse me now. I'm going to lunch. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, hey, let's talk about the deleted scenes very briefly here. We had, uh, I clocked about seven scenes, maybe nine if you count the talking heads as separate scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, adding up to about four minutes and 37 seconds. So a lot beefier than last week. Right. Nowhere as beefy as we'll end the season at 10 minutes. No. But, uh, but you know, some, a pretty decent set of deleted scenes. And I'd argue any one of them could have probably be added in here and not, I don't know if it would have added a ton of value, but some of them were a little funny. I, I think that they were worthwhile deleted scenes. I mean, definitely if you have the DVDs, I would advise you check, check them out. out they're, course, they're, sure. they're chuckle worthy. I, I think they made the right choices. Well, I, I will mention one of them since mm. we got on the uh, all the ways to be jammed. Uh, oh, this yeah. Week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it was the fourth clip. It was Leslie versus Jam. And they were, you know, it's a little more about Jam's candidate, I think. And Milton's a little nuts in this clip. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, I think he got uh, renailed jammed or yes. something like that. Yep, yeah. Yep. As yet another way to be jammed, apparently. So, and then I, I think most of them were just extensions or perhaps additional material from clips that did make it in the episode. There's a part of me that kind of wonders, like, what is Donna's private life like? Because the guys were so surprised to see her at the Pawnee Smokehouse. Yeah. Gentlemen. Gentlemen. Well, it's a little bit like her being in the VIP section at the Snake Hole Lounge. I guess so. That's a good comparison. Yeah. I like yeah. that. It kind of reminded me of that for sure. Well, Mark, uh, let's get into our tropes first and fun facts. Um, unlike last week, I, I actually did some work this week. So how about you? Wow. Good I mean, you. I know you did work, but what'd you come up with? Eh, we'll see. Um, I, I actually have some some gimmies that are probably not really first worthy, but I'm going to say them anyway. Let's do them. So Harris and Brett get fired. Love it. Animal control absorbed into Parks and Rec. Yep. April promoted to deputy director of animal control. Someone eats a banana in an unsexy way. I guess that one's up for debate. That's a debatable one. Actually, all four of those are definitely um, gimmies. Okay. <laughs> no, I mean, right. they're, they're not bad. They're they're okay. Yeah. I Actually, my I had one of them. Uh, similarly, I said, Brett and Harris get fired. But I said, my my the reason I wrote it as the first was I said, Chris fires someone, Brett and Harris. I don't remember Chris ever firing anyone before. He would have normally figured out a way for Ben to do that in the early days. Yes, he would. So... Just, I thought that was interesting because he did it straight up directly, you know, foot in a bear trap. What are you going to do? Wow. You know what? I think you're right. Yeah. That's a great catch. Plus he's angry. I usually don't see Chris angry very often. Well, no, that's his running feet. Of course he's angry. One of his running feet. Yeah. Yeah. Not not all of them, thankfully. No. Um, and I said, you, you're you going to correct me. I'm pretty sure. Is this the first time we've seen uh, the DFE, the Dennis Feinstein experience? I know we've seen him. He was at the, he's been at the snake hole and other places, but this is the first time we've been in his office. I, I think it is. Okay. So I got that as a first. Very nice. Yeah. Good job. But now I really want to see a big giant, like, you know, slick tour bus, like bus. Mm -hmm. that says the Dennis Feinstein experience on the side. Yeah. DFE. That would be terrific. I know. I, I would go to that tour. 
I would too. Yeah. How about tropes? Man? I would even wear blood spurt. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care what the reviews I, say. I, I, I'll, I won't, but I will wear spasm. You see your own devices there. That's right. All right. Tropes. Um, I have uh, something that I think we probably should have had a while, uh, but I don't know if we did. I call it HBS. Harrison bread or stoners. That's pretty good. Um, mine is animal control is definitely high, oh. which is acid with a with a silent H. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. Um, I had a PBJ. Jerry isn't even qualified to do his job. He got a damn salary cut. I love That's that. Good. Um, so, oh, and, and did you catch the one where this animal control has got a history of being bad? That's where Jerry started. Oh, and then they all are like, oh, uh, yeah, because they all know Jerry. That was good, yeah. got his start there. Yep. No good. Robert, Robert. I didn't know that. Yeah, that I didn't was kind of interesting little uh, Gergich lore. Factoid, Gergichoid. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, YGJ, you got jammed, or variations thereof, because we've had so many of them, as we've alluded to. Um, CSL, Chris says, literally. Now, he wasn't in the same scene with Ann Perkins, so I don't have Chris as Ann Perkins. Got it. But he does say literally. Um I said sweet, stupid Andy. I admit part of it was because I'm so used to writing it. And so I'm like, oh, wait a minute. How can I justify this? Like maybe when he takes a Dwyer shower, like maybe a little bit. Yeah. There's actually not a lot there. He's He was a little subdued. He was. Like I said, he was kind of like, I think his character was trying to like absorb the experience, right? He literally was working hard on it. I thought that was nice of Andy. Right. He was invested. Right. But yeah. there was something about his presence that was just weird to me today. Um, I had uh, mugs to the camera, but not nearly as many as you might see. I, I clocked April and Andy, and I didn't see anybody else. Um, yeah, I had I so I said Tom mugs, Andy smugs. Ah, uh-huh. very nice. That's a callback to something I I, I said. believe we've done that one. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah. So it's not a first anymore. That's I, a, I said it's a trope. Oh, but it's a trope now that we say smug. It was a first when I did it. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> Um, and well, fi- <laughs> finally, I don't know what French means. Uh, I, I had a CP for crazy Pawnians, which a lot of times we see in like the, 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 uh, the town hall, Big scenes, yeah. but they interview for the animal control job. I feel like that counts. They, they streamed it in this case. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's all I got. Did I miss any? Um, I, I would say I've, I kind of created a new one. It's called ACBI, ACBI, April can't believe it. So I, what I've recognized is that we've, we're clocking those as mugging to the camera. That often what they really are is her looking at us and going, can you believe this? Mm. And it was one of those today. Interesting. So it's, huh. it's kind of a dual purpose mug slash uh, what I call it. I'm trying to recall what scene that was. I, I believe it's, um, I, I think it's during the interview process. Oh, I know what it is. It it's when Harris guy. and Brett come in. Oh, and they're applying oh. for the job. They've just been fired. From yeah. And she just gives that look. Can you believe this? It's terrific. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I, yeah, like, I, that. I like that one. And then um, I had a D-F-I-N. Dennis Feinstein is nuts. Yes. Feinstein. Excuse me. Yes. Yeah. 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 Say it right. Is nuts. He's yeah. nuts either way. No matter how you say his last name. Uh, which by extension, Jason Manzoukas, he's... He can do anything. He he can, and we love him from other shows. Yes, like, we do. His character in Brooklyn Nine Nine is just straight up crazy, and I love him. Oh yeah. And then of course the 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 league is the first place I think I ever saw. Same him. here. Oh my gosh. Same here. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, uh, slight uh, uh, spoiler, I guess, uh, for when you eventually watch The Good Place. So yeah. Public shaming for you. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah. He's in there. Yeah, That's all I'm going to say. That. And he's okay. brilliant. Well, you remember Paul Paul Shear, right? From, yeah. Uh, I think. Uh, 
He was in the league, Kabuk? and he was in a, a uh, was what, what was this Parks episode? K- Caboodle? Oh no, no, Caboodle, <laughs> Caboodle. What was it? It's, you are Kazam, Mister. You are a piece of work. It was ka- a Caboodle. I can't get over. Caboodle. <laughs> you can't not it's, say it now. It's ka- it's. I, you're, I, God damn it! I can't. It, it's kaboom. Kaboom. Yes. <laughs> ka- Caboodle. I swear. Whatever. Well, the great Paul Shear was in that episode. Yeah. He and Jason have. I don't know, nine podcasts together, something yeah. crazy. How'd this get made? And a bunch of them. I can't, I can't even keep track anymore. Yep. Some funny people though. That's for sure. So um, that's all I had on tropes. How about goofs or fun facts? I didn't have any goofs this week. Uh, I had no goofs. I had a caboodle of fun facts. Um, no, actually I didn't. I had just a, a couple. I just want to say caboodle again. Uh-huh. I can't believe you we all caboodle. do. Yes. Um, so you, you had mentioned, you know, Ron had mentioned, Ron said in his talking head, he watched a film with uh, Diane and the kids, mm. you know, Orange Fish uh, yep. gets separated. Clearly the plot of Finding Nemo. This yeah. will, this would be yeah. what? The f- fifth, fifth movie? I think so. That he's seen. The Bridge on the River Quiet Dirty Dozen. uh uh, uh Patton. Herbie uh, Fully Loaded. Clearly Herbie Fully Loaded. And then, you know, now Finding Nemo. Yeah. Um. And the only other one I saw was just a, a callback to the other time, the, maybe the first time that Ron had a a, a medical emergency mm. in his office, which was season two, episode two, the steakhouse. The I think steakhouse. that's where he had the hernia. He did have a hernia. That's where we first He's heard throwing the burger up in the air, trying to catch. It oh in my his god, mouth. so funny! Yeah. And I think that's where also we, punch burger. And, and I, was that really? Yes. Oh, we missed that as a first. I think that's also where we first heard him say. I'm Ron Peeping Swanson. Yeah, Brilliant. That was great. I, I added one. I saw those online. I actually kind of, I think I clocked my own and I kind of already somewhat mentioned it. Uh, Katie Dippold, one of the producers and writers, this was her first, or excuse me, her fifth and final appearance as a character in the show, usually playing Mindy. She's almost always um, uncredited. And and I think it's only in the last three they actually gave her a name. But um, it's funny because this is 2013, right? We're in April of 2013, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, if I remember. And uh, she had literally exited Parks and Rec in season four, though. She has moved on at this point. She's writing screenplays. And at this point, she's written the screenplay for The Heat with Melissa McCarthy. Mm. And um, so she's really kind of no longer with the show in any official capacity. So they got her back as a, I guess, a little mini guest star. I thought it was kind of cool. Oh, yeah, that is cool. A little fun fact there. Yeah. All right, Mark. Well, let's get into our scores. All right. Scoring incoming. Well, I have co-MVP. My MVPs are. No, sorry. I didn't want to forget this week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, none I'll of us, wait my turn. None of us will let you forget. Um, well, my co-MVPs are, and we can say it at the same time. Sure, let's try it. All right, Ready? this is going to go horribly. Uh-huh. My co-MVPs of this are episode are... Nick Offerman. Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza and Nick Offerman. All three guest stars. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but but tell me about yours first. Well, I like the Nick Offerman one you did. Yeah. The one where you didn't agree with me is not good. Um, <laughs> but no, I, actually, I like I like yours. But I'll, I'll talk about it. Yeah, mine. tell me about yours. So I, I thought April had some really nice character development with her 11th hour billion idea. I almost gave it to her. Yeah. And she also had some really funny classic April, you know, lines like when, True. I mean, because she like deflected those meany, mean councilmen, well, jam really, yeah. uh, you know, grilling her. And she's just like, you know, you're stupid and you're dummies and I'm going to train crows to fly up your butt. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is funny stuff. Yeah. Um, being half wolf and then snarling at the camera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
for Ron, I know I'm, he, I, you know, he's my man crush, but I'll just say I was incredibly impressed with Nick Offerman in this episode for a storyline. So the, you know how you and I were talking at the very beginning is like, well, which one's the B story? Which one's the C yeah. story? The reason I made that the C story is I actually kind of did the do, 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 do math and it tabulated. That is the one with the smallest amount of screen time okay. and the smallest That's amount fair. of scenes. Gotcha. That, That's all. Okay. But so for, I think I went in linear order or, or, that we saw them, which but, which yeah. makes sense as then well. Yeah. But for a storyline with a relatively small amount of scenes and what scenes there were, a lot of them were throwaway in the sense that they weren't important. That's but not true. Almost everything he said or did was delivered perfectly. So, like for example, before this episode, I could have imagined Ron attempting to eat a banana would be funny. I had no idea how funny. <laughs> I think I started to gag with him. Oh my gosh, I felt for the dude. Um, the cold open. Oh, holy crap on a crap cracker, Alan. Yeah. The cold open was one of the funniest, starting right. off solidly with Harris and Brett, who are always good. They always crack me up. And then moving, are you kidding me? Moving to the Flintstone-style bird whistle, I almost collapsed to the ground with how utterly brilliant, brilliant, nostalgic, and funny that was. Um, and then, of all things, Chris getting his bleeping foot caught in a bleeping coyote trap. Like, that really <laughs> well, happens. Mark, they have a vermin problem. Oh my God. I honestly <laughs> thought like in, in cartoons, I knew that the two things were true in cartoons, Alan. First of all, quicksands everywhere, uh, everywhere. Second, bear traps. The, everything is lousy with bear traps. I had no idea that could really happen in real life. I love it. Now I'm worried about quicksand in real life. No joke. Anyway, I thought it was interesting that, and you mentioned this, Alan, like in bailout a couple episodes ago, they had what essentially amounts to a multi-part kicker. I'm yeah. not a hundred percent sure what I think about that yet, like it wasn't bad. It was just, mm. it was just different. It was a little bit odd from what I'm used to, but it doesn't mean it was bad. Um, I thought it was actually a pretty good night for the physical comedy from, you know, Chris getting his foot caught yes. in the trap, Ben, you know, just <laughs> sniffing and, and, and almost gagging on the perfume. And then Ron bundled up in his office and Ron with a banana and Ron getting examined. Well, Ron doing anything. <laughs> great great physical comedy. Um, Observation. I am going to go on a limb and say season five is Anne's best season. I like Anne in season five. I will agree with that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great observation. Um, I thought with this episode, they once again managed to craft a happy ending to a storyline that felt like a genuinely smart solution. I don't know. Maybe I'm a sap for that, but I, I feel like they have a reputation for doing that and not just doing like a, a deus ex machina and just yes. saying, you know what? This actually kind of makes sense. Right. And I like that. I like that. That's a great point. Um, I loved, I know, I know I mentioned this, but you know, I loved Ron's statement. I'll eat what I'm going to eat. I'll live how I'm going to live and I'll die the way I'm going to die. It was like, it's very poetic, very powerful, very Swanson. But I love the dichotomy of having him realize using Anne as the vehicle that there's one thing that would make him, you know, reassess his situation and his Swanson-esque beliefs, Diane and the kids. Yep. And specifically, he has to do things or should at least consider doing things differently now because he is in their lives and they depend on him it's not all about him anymore. i love and that's that's important that's good stuff it's good to have someone who will tell you that truth that no joke yeah um i really wanted andy like remember how when ben decided to hire andy for helping him at the sweetums foundation yes. he did so i think because andy kind of had a few series of idiot savant moments he like did. where he's like wow you're 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 oddly he sharp yeah. for being you mm -hmm. 
I really kind of was waiting for Andy to be the savior of this, like to to find a way to uh, to reach this uh, dickish but funny millionaire and extract uh, you know donation out of it. Or for example, how funny would it have been, okay, if they had actually started a nonprofit organization called Go Bleep Yourself? Cash the check. <laughs> Cash the check. Oh. That's brilliant. Missed opportunity. Huh? Mark. That's freaking brilliant. Yeah. 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 I love it. Um, All right. Enough Enough of my uh, stuff. Oh, I will say, I, I thought, honestly, you know how uh, we, especially recently on, it seems like you and I have been kind of talking about technical versus how we feel about the episode and that sort of thing. I'll say that I thought that the B and the C stories from a pure, let's get into the story perspective, I felt like the B and C stories were a little thin, but they worked because- a, Jason Manzukis is freaking hilarious and Dennis Feinstein is a meme unto himself. And B, ditto for Ron Bleeping Swanson. Like, I got notes on this. Not to put too much on the shoulders of those characters, but they're both brilliant. And I thought they took what was a th- thin-ish storyline mm-hmm. and made it like, this is decent. Mm-hmm. This is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Okay. On to the crazy Mark Rubick. I'm going to give the sucker a four- Point zero base score. I thought the A story was great. And then, like I said, B and C story is a little thin, but the characters pulled it off. Okay. I'm going to give a half point each for Aubrey Plaza and Nick Offerman, my co-MVPs. I'm going to give a half point for what I thought was a nice list of guest stars. You got the Harris Whittles uh, as Harris, of course. Colton Dunn as Brett. Jason Manzukis as Dennis Feinstein. Cooper Thornton as the curmudgeon Dr. Harris. John Glazer as the man we love to hate, Councilman Jam. James, And then we got the rest of the councilmen. You know, James Green as Councilman Milton. Iwo Jima! Uh, Kevin Simons <laughs> as Sexy Dexy, Councilman Sexy Dexy. Dexart. Yep. Uh, and then finally, last but not at all least, Yvonne's Jordan as Councilman Hauser. Yep. Who's, I think beyond Leslie, probably the only decent one there. I would agree. Um, Milton may be in the day, but probably not. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> um, I'm going to give a half point. I'm going to give a half point. I think you'll appreciate this, Alan, for an extra special call out to Harris, Brett, and Dennis Feinstein, yeah. who are all extremely funny and effective in this episode. Totally agree. I want to give a full point for the cold open because not only is the cold open extremely hilarious, I cannot, I cannot get over the Flintstone style bird whistle. That I'm sorry, I'm I'm a nostalgic sap. That did it for me. So a whole point, but three quarters of the points for the bird whistle. Mm. Yeah, 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 pretty much. <laughs> I'm going to give half a point for what I call the resolution combo, meaning that I felt like this episode, and I've said this about some of the episodes in the past, it tied up storylines pretty well, including but not limited to a great three-part kicker at the end, which I kind of decided I like. I like the way they did okay. it. Um, I'm going to give a half point for what I call the backbone combo. And what I mean is Andy and later Ben standing up to Dennis Feinstein, showing some backbone. And Anne, standing up to Ron. Great point. Backbone combo. And I'm going to give one more half point for what I call the support combo. I thought that Chris and Donna and Jerry and Tom and Andy, they all actually had very effective and funny scenes. And, and you know, it, we didn't really give them like a tip of the hat with any of the other points, but I thought that they, they deserve mention here. So half point for that. So you add all the crazy Mark points up. Let me add the points up. And you come up with 8.5 Little Sebastians. And and I think, Alan, once again, the technical score for this episode, if gun to my head, would probably be a little bit lower than that. But I liked it. I felt good coming out of this episode, and I decided to give it the nod this time. So I'll cut it short. 
8.5 little bests, little Sebastians, Mark's official review. The scuba has been rocked. <laughs> Here's my review. Back to you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I will say that I feel like you stole my notes this week in, in several ways. And so let's you go. You said that it. last week. You I said know. I stole your thunder. Well, you did steal my thunder, but not, not you didn't steal it this week. <laughs> like, but you know, like, I feel like we're pretty well in sync two weeks in a row here. So, well, tell me. Tell, so, first let, of let all, me tell you who's your MVP? Shut up. <laughs> so, <laughs> my MVP, co MVPs are Nick Offerman. Yeah. And our guest stars, basically the three of them specifically, John Glazer, Jason Mansukis, and then Harris slash Colton, Colton Don. Oh, so you're smashing Harris and Brett into one glob. I kind of am All right. because they're they're a key part of the story. They're, they're, they both only have half a brain anyway. You add them together, they're one person. I can't argue with that. Right? Yeah. Hard to argue with. Yeah, it's brilliant. So, All right, yeah. go, man, go. So really, that those are my MVPs. All right. So And, and for a lot of the reasons you've already said on Ron, for sure, or Nick, for sure. I mean, again, like you said, it's it's a pretty small storyline, and yet... Um, I think they made effective use of all three storylines this week. And I, I wanted to make that point as well. Mm -hmm. I thought I, I liked all three stories. That doesn't always happen. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was a challenge. It would have been a challenge to write this episode and cr find the right balance with this many guest stars. I mean, we're on a roll of like major guest stars, right? I think we're 12, 11, 9 for weeks and weeks in a row now. Yeah. That's not always the case. Yeah. Um, maybe right after their... Um, the episode we gave a 10 this, this, this year, I think the next episode, they have one guest star. Mm. So it's not true every episode, but we're on a run of that for sure. Right. So I, I felt like the storylines were slightly, uh, could have been maybe a little bigger. You, you called it thin. I, I appreciate that comment for the same reason, but I did really like our pairings this week, Ron and Ann, Leslie and April, and then Ben and Tom, Plus Andy. Right, right. And the reason I said it that way was I felt like Andy could have been sweet, stupid Andy in any of the three plot lines very easily. Yeah. And yet it made sense to put him here because we know that there's a major arc going on for his character. Otherwise, he won't wind up in London. Right, and right. And we won't have Star-Lord. Right? right. I mean, that's what's right. happening behind the scenes. No, We didn't know this at the time, but we now know it looking backwards. That right. That's what happens. So, right. Kind of interesting to think of. Yeah. Yeah, well but said. I will say this about Andy. I, I am really glad. I, I loved your idea, by the way. The go after yourself, go after catch yourself. the check. That's terrific. Yeah. However, I will say that I was glad Andy stood up to Dennis, right? When you got Ann standing up to Ron, like you said, you've got Andy standing up to Dennis and you've got April standing up really to everyone in a way, right? I mean, even Leslie, I mean, she certainly isn't taking crap from the council and she's even kind of, she, I love that she kind of held on to her idea didn't tell Leslie about it up front, but did it live. And Leslie had to react without any preconception of what April is going to say. Yeah. That was cool. I thought that was cool. And I think it proves that when she puts her mind to it, April's got some chops. She does. And, and I love this April, this April combo of she's still the April we loved in the early seasons because of her snark. Mm -hmm. But she's also developing as a human being. And I'd say for a sitcom, semi-realistic ways. I would agree. And I like yeah, that. Yeah. I did like that. Um, my only complaint about the three point kicker or really even the four point kicker, that whole structure is that it's a little on the nose that it's, you're consciously aware of, of a viewer, if you're paying attention at all, that they are purposely wrapping up all three storylines, like with a bow, like you feel like it's a due diligence exercise. And yet I wasn't displeased with what they did. You know what? That That's, that's a good observation. I, I think if they 
keep doing this, I might start to dislike it a little yes. bit because it will seem Forced. very obvious that it's yeah. formulaic. Yes, totally agree. Um, Ben's reaction to the cologne <laughs> and the fact that he referred to it as insecticide or possibly insecticide. <laughs> Hey, oh, oh. <laughs> it just again, if you got to go check it out, if you've got the, the DVDs or hop on Peacock and take a look at that scene again, it's just, it, it is, it is classic Ben and it's amazing Adam Scott, right? Yeah. I mean, I almost could get him in the MVP list just for that scene this week. But, yeah. <laughs> right. And, uh, but I thought it was a pretty interesting episode considering everything we've said, the use of the bench, all these guest stars who are really chewing some screen time. And I still felt like they didn't totally cheat Donna and Jerry. So, well done. Yeah. Eight and a five, 8.5 little Sebastians. Oh, wow. We so, are in sync. We are in sync. And I, I, I wrote down in parentheses 8.25, which we're not allowed to give. Mm -hmm. But my thought there is, again, if we were scoring only structurally, I probably would have gone with an eight. So you, I think you agree with me, not only on the score, but if you would rank it technically a little bit lower than like how you feel about it at the end. On its straight up technical merits only. Yes. I'd yeah. probably give it an eight. But I think sometimes, the, you know, they, they do better with the thing than they should. And yes. this is an example of that. Yep. I right? agree. On paper, you're like, eh. But in execution. Yeah. They made it work. Half. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So nice job to the whole cast and crew and uh, the writers and uh, good episode this week. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. Mark, we will be back next time with season five, episode 19, article two. Article dose. I tried to give that one away already last <laughs> week, but we're actually going to watch it next time. Yeah. And, uh, this is, if you recall, go out to the YouTubes and watch the full eight minute version of Patton Oswalt uh, really just laying out Star Wars in the most amazing fashion ever. Patton Oswalt is just brilliant anyway. And th this, this diatribe is, is, yeah. is so classic. And it's the first of several Patton episodes we'll get. So I'm, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this little mini phase here. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, nice job, Mark. Thanks to our viewers for uh, watching at home, listening, whatever they're doing there. I'm not sure. I know they're eating popcorn while they do it though. And uh, you know, scenting up before they go out on the town. We know that much. <laughs> How can they reach out to us, Alan? Like, let's say they listen to us and go, my God, these two guys are so brilliant and talented. And we, we know they're we, thinking we that. We gotta and let them know. How we, would they let us know? Mark, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. Here's how they would do that. They oh. could go on uh, livefrompawnee.com. Please don't notice it is way out of date. We're gonna fix that. We got an intern on that right now. As a matter of fact, I've heard. Yeah. So. Yeah, we got an intern. You hear that, Harvey? He looks shocked. Oh, yeah. well. So we'll talk to him about that after this episode. He's drunk. But they could go there. They can leave a live recording, which we That's may very, very likely cool. play on the air, which is kind of cool. Yeah. You can go uh, send us an email. The link's there as well. You can also go on to the socials on the uh, them there internets, I mm -hmm. guess they're called. The Twitters and the Instagram. Graham, is that what that's called? The Graham, Graham and a half, whatever it Graham takes. Graham Cracker. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and, and you can live leave from us. Live from Pawnee. Live from Pawnee. Yep. Uh, you can leave us comments there as well. And I think even the Facebooks were out there. Nice. So I did want to mention that we just had literally the 10th anniversary of, of the Bensley relationship. The wedding was 10 years ago yesterday. Oh, so kind of cool. That's pretty cool. We put out a little meme on our, on our, our all of our web celebrating that. So I think if I noticed also, Alan, we just crossed 130,000. We did it cross 130,000 downloads. Yeah. So uh, yay to us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all for doing that. We really appreciate it. And uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Absolutely. Bye everyone. Bye everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. 
Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us. Let me say that again. Uh, but luckily it's, but luckily it's, uh, but luckily I think it's a little north or east or west or someplace not in north here of <laughs> 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 No, I, tell I me more and more about time. derailing the program. Okay, go.